Greetings and welcome to the pod. My name is Mark West. Jamie Rogers hosts the Big Sports Breakfast program on Sky Sports Radio, is a national level swimmer in the 200 meters breaststroke, and is now tackling the English Channel. She is raising money with Gotcha for Life to support mental health programs. As always, I started by asking Jamie if she'd always been an ocean swimmer. Um, no, <laughs> to put it bluntly, no. So I was a pool swimmer my entire life, and that's where I went to nationals and Olympic trials swimming 200 meter breaststroke. So going from a pool breaststroker to ocean swimming has been very different, but I'm really enjoying it. And what was it that made you go to ocean swimming? It's a bit different to a bit different to uh, 200 uh, breaststroke. Yeah, so. The starting in the ocean was I've signed up to swim the English Channel. Um, so I was swimming that in August of 2022. And that's, you know, 35 kilometres should take me between 10 and 12 hours. And the key for that training and the success of crossing is to make sure you get as much mileage in the ocean just to get used to all the different conditions, in particular the cold. And that's why I started getting into it. So I joined a group that go out together, mainly around the Coogee area on Saturday mornings. I'm with a specific swimming coach who has trained swimmers to go across the English Channel and other long distance swimming events, but all in the ocean. And I'm with other swimmers that have been doing this for a really long time. So I can get lots of tips from them and different things. I've had to tweak my swimming techniques. Obviously, I've been used to swimming freestyle in the swimming pool, which is very different to what you need to be able to do in the ocean. So the main the motivation behind it was because of this English Channel swim. What gave you the idea to do the English Channel? So that came about um, when I was where, where I work. I was keeping all of our listeners up to date on Chloe McArdle. I don't know if you've heard of her. She's a long yep. distance marathon swimmer, and she was about to break the men's record for the amount of English Channel crossings. She did that and went on to do more. And I just was updating our listeners about her progress. And one of my co-hosts on air had said, oh, why don't you go and do a, a swim and set yourself a big challenge? And at the time, I'd said, I'll just do a five-kilometer swim in the ocean because to me, that was huge. And when I got home, my husband said, oh, you should swim the English Channel. <laughs> and my first response to him was, absolutely no way. Could not think of anything worse. But then once I started looking into it, because Chloe was still swimming, so I kept looking into it and... The more I read about it, the more I just started to get really interested and loved the idea and the challenge, especially when you hear things like more people have climbed Mount Everest and crossed the English Channel. And I just thought this is actually something that I'd really like to do. I always like setting myself goals, um, whether it's work or in the sporting sphere. And I thought, well, this is a perfect one to do it, push myself to the absolute limit and learn some new things along the way. And that's how it all started. So I can thank my husband for this wild journey I'm now on. <laughs> so, so how long has this journey taken? When did you have this epiphany moment that you should swim the English Channel? So it was last year. Um, it's taken booking in with the English Channel because they had obviously issues with some COVID uh, impacting their bookings. But it was a two-year wait for me to be able to get a spot. So it, was, it actually took a long time to, to lock in my slot of August 2022. 
Um, once that was booked in, that's when it all began. I sort of didn't really know where to start. So I got my spot and I thought, oh, now what? But I have a friend who runs Ocean Fit and I just contacted him and just asked, you know, what do you do from here? And that's how I got in touch with Vlad Swim. So it, by the time I get to the English Channel Swim, it would have been pretty much two years to the day. And so since you were like a really top-notch swimmer when you were younger, have you kept up the swimming since then or did you sort of let it slide and come back to it? What's What have you been doing over the last little while? I, well, I go through phases. So swimming's always kind of been there. I went through a phase where I was running. I was running marathons. I went and did the Honolulu Marathon and half marathons and then I did a triathlon and I enjoyed the triathlon phase because I was able to keep swimming and that was a really good leg to be strong in. So did triathlons for a while, but swimming was always there. I would always be doing swimming in the pool in some capacity and whether it was once a week, a few times a week or once a month, but I was, I've always kept up my swimming just because I absolutely love it. And I think it is one of the best forms of exercise you can do just to really clear your head. Um, I always say to people, swimming is almost like a, a form of meditation because you've got no distractions. You can't look at your phone. It's literally just you and your thoughts and you can't hear anything because once you put your head under the water, it's just that peaceful sound. So I always have tried to keep it up purely from that perspective, um, but I definitely have gone through phases where I focused on other sports more so than swimming. And what's your training load like now and how do you squeeze it all in? So I am swimming now about four times a week and four or five. The fifth one sometimes drops off just depending on my family situation. But I try and do three or four sessions a week in the pool and then every Saturday is out in the ocean and that's where we have the really long kilometres. So we got up to 15 kilometres a month ago, which was four hours in the water. So Saturday is key for me. Just That's where I'm now practising my cold water swimming, and the way that I fit it all in, I'm quite lucky in that I work in breakfast radio. So I do early hours. I start work at 4 a.m., but it means I'm finished at 9.30. And I then go straight to training. So whether it's weights, swimming, whatever it might be for that plan that day, I usually start at 10 o'clock and I'm home by about 1 o'clock because my, my boys are in daycare two days and then I sort of work in with my mom and I've got a babysitter that I also use to sort of help for those few hours before I get back and then I've got my son for the afternoon. Okay and I guess being swimming and being in the English Channel it doesn't really matter if it's raining or horrible out there that's probably good training for you as well so it's always on. For now yes so I'm one of those people now when I remember a few months ago when Sydney was hit with that horrendous rain. It was just bucketing down for days. It was flooding everywhere. And I was out swimming in that because the swell was quite high. It was very choppy, very difficult to swim in. Down, we went to brighten the sands because the water's really cold there. And people I was swimming with all said, this is the perfect training conditions for the English Channel because when you're out there you can be facing two meter swell you've got the wash off from all the big ships that come through you've got jellyfish you've got debris and then you've also got tides that are pulling you left right and center and then you've also got to battle the cold so it's great for me to get out of in any condition whether it's been you know a, a beautiful warm sunny day is actually not ideal for me <laughs> and and does Sydney get cold enough over winter do you have to I've heard of the, the cold water camps it, in Melbourne Yes, so we normally, 
uh, pre this COVID world, I was meant to be going on a cold water swimming camp next weekend, but Sydney is now in lockdown, so we're not doing that. But Brighton the Sands actually gets really cold there. That's the coldest water in Sydney. So it was 12 degrees when we were swimming there a few weeks ago, and it will drop down even a few more degrees. That's what my swimming coach said anyway. So we'll be doing our cold water swimming camp in a few weeks, but we'll be doing it from there. Um, so for me, that's perfect. I'm actually training with a guy who's training for the North Channel, and those conditions are also really good for him because the North Channel is sort of averaging around that temperature as well. So Sydney, yes, it does actually get cold enough to get me ready for the English Channel. I can't believe that what we had is over. I won't give up just to see it's all gone. I'd swim the channel from Calais to Dover with you on my back. I know you had um, the long water, it was at 21K in the Gold Coast, but I think that event was cancelled. Is that right, earlier in the year? It, it, yes, it was. So that was meant to be in May and it was cancelled, not because of COVID, not because of borders. It was actually because the weather, the <laughs> surf was so big that they had to cancel it. So it's been moved now to the end of August. Is, so is that the next event? Have you done many events uh, on this journey? Not yet. So I, that was meant to be my first one. Um, and then, so I will still be doing that. Just my training for that is going to be really different because it's cold water training. So my goal at the moment is just how long I stay in the water for versus the kilometers that I'm covering. So in my last training block when Gold Coast was the goal, we were training up to 15 kilometers because that was then you know, the, the distance that we wanted to try and cover versus now where I'm not looking at the kilometres, my swimming coach will just say, okay, today your aim is to stay in the water for two hours or stay in the water for three hours versus going out and swimming 15K. So I am swimming the Gold Coast, but it will just be interesting to see how I go with the 21 kilometres because I won't have been swimming the large amount of kilometres that I did in my last training block. But you know, our bodies can do amazing things and muscle memory will definitely come back in for me and hopefully that will get me through the 21K. What's the longest swim you've done? It's the 15Ks that I did in Coogee. I would have been maybe now, just was a month out from the swim. So okay. end of April. You're swimming for charity? Yeah, so... During this COVID period, um, you know, everyone has sort of struggled in their own way. And I just thought swimming the English Channel is going to be 80% mental, 20% physical. And I thought it was a really good opportunity to raise awareness and just to put a spotlight a bit more on mental health, because this is something that's been spoken about during this COVID time of how people are struggling mental health. So I have teamed up with Gotcha for Life and I am hoping to raise $50,000 for them. And they are a really great charity to get involved with because they're all about building that mental fitness and finding a buddy. And they go and do programs in schools and out in the community. And for me, as a mum of two boys, and I don't mean to generalise, but boys tend to be the ones that don't communicate their feelings. And when you hear statistics like the number one cause of death between 15 and 44 year olds in our country is suicide I just thought now that I've got two sons it just really honed in on me of I just want to do something and contribute in some way to bring that number down to zero and how can we sponsor you um so the best the easiest way and I've, I've just put a link in my bio on Instagram because now they always give you these really long URLs 
So rather than trying to rattle off the URL, you can just click on it on my bio or if you go to the Got You For Life website, um, it should be on there as well. Cool. Or you can just donate straight to Got You For Life if you're on their website. So what do you think about when you're swimming for three, four hours at a time? Where does your mind go? It's so funny. I get asked that and I always think, I don't know. I I feel like I solve the world's problems. I get out and I think I've come up with all these really great business ideas. Um, Yeah, I'm often singing. I, (laughs) I don't know, especially when you're out in the ocean, in the pool, in the pool, I, it's funny, people always ask me, do you get bored? Because obviously I'm in the pool every day and you're watching that black line and I'm in there for two hours at a time and I, and I don't get bored. And I think you probably have to be happy with your own thoughts and I'm often singing or just thinking, I don't know. And I, and I do get asked that. And I think when you're in the ocean though, especially when you're in, around Coogee, the wildlife that you see is just incredible. I've swam with 30, it was a pod of 30 dolphins. We've had a turtle. We see baby sharks. You see so much stuff that that's sort of what your mind is thinking about. Or, and I do tend to sing quite a bit, which is really annoying <laughs> after I've had the wiggles on in the car or I had uh, Paw Patrol. I went and saw a Paw Patrol show and went and swam later that day and couldn't get the theme song out of my head. So, <laughs> you know, that's probably what I'm doing, just singing the same songs over and over and over again. But, yeah, you just kind of go off in this sort of trance almost. It's it's weird. It's hard to explain, but you don't get bored. And how will you go with the pools shut at the moment, do you think? Are you going to try and get to the beach every day? or? Yeah, so the pool, that that's thrown a spanner in the works because I – I love, I think the, the pool is really important for my training because you can, you need to do your sprint sessions. You need to be able to time what you're doing, your 50 meters and hundred meters because sprint work's really important when training for the English channel. So I keep trying to tell myself it's not the end of the world. It's only two weeks and we can get through. So I was out at the beach today, um, which I don't tend to do during the week, but look, it was nice. I was, there was only a few of us out there. But yes, I will struggle with the pool closed. But I have to remind myself, there's a lot bigger issues going on in the world. So I will be fine. <laughs> That's true. So this is August next year. Do you think yeah. that you'll try and conquer any of the other uh, big straits of the world after that? Or is this going to be a Everest, so to speak, and, and, and leave it at that? No, there's definitely other swims I'd like to do. The Manhattan Island one in New York. Um, the Catalina Channel, I think, sounds really interesting. So once I've conquered the English Channel, there, there will definitely be something else I would like to do. Definitely. I'm not, I don't, I'm not planning on ticking off all of the seven channel swims because some of them just sound so crazy. <laughs> uh, but I will definitely do something else, most likely the Manhattan Island. That would be amazing. Are there any around Australia? I mean, we're assuming you'll be able to get out of the country next year as well, which is, uh, I guess, n- well, not a guarantee, yes, is it? But- no, I'd like to think by August next year I can fly out of here and whether that means we just, hopefully we can, when you've got your vaccination, it means you can come in and out as we please. Um, otherwise, I'll have to beg for a redemption to get out of there, exemption. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting to, to see what happens. There's, I know there's a new swim, um, I think it's, what is it, Palm Beach to Bondi or something like that up the coast, which is pretty hefty. 
Yeah, that's a big one. And there's Rotnest over in WA. There's this one on the Gold Coast. There, there are actually quite a few long-distance swims that I, I will be doing some more along the way because I think you need to have lots of mini goals in a bigger journey. I think having a goal that's two years long is way too far to just have as that sole goal, really. Like the, your final destination, you need other things along the way. So I'll definitely after the Gold Coast, I'll definitely be doing other swims just to keep me going, tick off um, as my mini goals along the way. Do sharks or anything like that bother you? I mean, in the English Channel, it's jellyfish, <laughs> right? That you, and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. So that's what I'll battle in the Channel. Um, plenty of jellyfish. So whenever, you know, when Sydney was having the influx of all the blue bottles and yep. our swimming coach would say, okay, anyone who doesn't want to get stung, it's probably best not to swim. And he'd say, oh, but Jamie, I need, I would have to go out there because I need to practice getting stung <laughs> oh. and swimming through it because that's basically what you face in the channel. And apparently blue bottles are significantly worse than jellyfish. So if you can swim through a blue bottle sting, you're fine in the channel. Um, but otherwise, yeah, there's no sharks in the English channel, which is great. They do freak me out on days, the swim I mentioned earlier about when it was pouring with rain and, I couldn't actually see my arm as I was putting it in the water. I couldn't see anything around me. There were swimmers right next to me and I couldn't see them. And that really freaked me out because I just had no idea what was around me. And those are conditions that sharks tend to be around. But at the same time, we're out in their water. So I think we just have to accept the fact that we do share it with sharks and it's their space that we're swimming in. And hopefully if I do come across one, I do. I do tend to wear brightly coloured swimmers so that I don't look like a seal and I'm not in a wetsuit. Um, that's probably just my own mentality of wearing the bright coloured swimmers. But, yeah, I, I mean, I'd be lying if I said it didn't cross my mind, but we are out in their, their territory, so comes with it. On the, on the subject of diet, but this time your diet, are you consuming carbs like crazy with all this uh, extra exercise? Uh, what, how's your diet? Um, yeah, I, I don't, I, I just eat, I've always just been really healthy. I just eat lots of fruit and vegetables and I've, and I've just always been like that. I have increased the carbs slightly, but not too much. I, I do tend to, I mean, when you carb load before an event, yes, I carb load, but I'm not someone that eats like a massive bowl of pasta the night before, or you just increase your portions of carbs each day uh, in the lead up to the event. So nowadays I just make sure I have a, lots of carbs in the morning when I'm at work for breakfast because that then is will fuel me for my swimming training or whatever training I'm doing. But yeah, I just try and eat really healthy and um, although I don't want to sound like I'm some diet obsessed person, I definitely eat junk as well, but I, I just try and keep things um, just pretty healthy. And I, I was thinking about you swimming in Olympic qualifiers and whatnot. That was a bit of a golden age of Australian swimming. You were really up against it oh, back then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It was the absolute, the, the best time. I mean, it was probably the worst time for me to try and make it in swimming, but we were just so blessed in those years to be around such amazing swimmers. You know, when I was swimming at the Olympic trials in my races, I, you know, the Lethal Jones and Samantha Riley, and it was just a great time. But walking around on pool deck would be Michael Clear, me and Thorpe. We were just so, so lucky. But in saying that, I think our current crop that are coming through are pretty good as well. I think we've got some good things going to happen at Tokyo. Do you still see that lot? What, what did you learn from, from being with all of those people? 
Um, well, you just more, I think the biggest thing was just watching the hard work that everyone puts in. I think growing up as a swimmer, it really sets you up for later in life because you have to work so hard. You have to have, you know, time management. You learn from a very early age. You learn that you've got to be on time because if you're late, you get locked out of the pool and you just learn really great life lessons right from a really early age that you can then use for the rest of your life. some of the differences between the, the technique that you use in the open ocean compared to the pool? Because I know an awful lot of swimming training is, is technique work. What is it? What's, what are some of the differences? Mm. So the biggest difference for me in particular, when you're swimming in the pool, your body is very streamlined. You don't tend to move your hips at all. So when you breathe, your head, you almost, when you turn to breathe to the side, your head is, your ear is practically on your shoulder and you keep it very small movement um, you don't move your body at all, really. Whereas in the open water, you rely on your shoulders. So you kind of got a lot more of a loose swimming stroke. Your hips rotate when you breathe, so you get a bigger stroke, so that your arm, you've got a, a way bigger stroke so that you can kind of, I guess, breathe over the top of a wave or something, which you don't have to face in the pool. So it's just a lot bigger and you lose, use a lot more of your muscles versus in the pool where it's very neat and it's, you don't move as much because you don't really have to. It's all quick legs and small movement with your breathing to the head, to the side. And yes, that, that's the main difference for me. It was just learning to relax my shoulders and move my hips as I'm breathing. And you don't have to kick as much. Okay, that's interesting. And so I guess do you bulk up a little bit? Like you get, a bit, you get stronger shoulders? At the moment, I would say I'm around the same, but um, I do think that you would bulk up and get bigger shoulders. I'm working with a personal trainer who sort of specializes in this sort of stuff because my shoulders have actually been causing me an issue, which they never have before, because I'm having to use them differently. And I'm just learning now. We're just working on strengthening strengthening them. So I would imagine that I, they probably will bulk up. I'll probably bulk up back to what I was like when I was a national swimmer versus a leisurely swimmer. Yeah. And I, I think it helps, but if you're going to be in the water for eight hours or something, a little bit of bulk is actually kind of useful, isn't it? To keep you warm. Yeah. Well, people do, when you read different blogs and you speak to different people, they do recommend that you have a good percentage of body fat on you so that you can sort of protect your organs against the cold. Um, but at the same time, if you have trained and adapted your body to get used to that situation of being in the cold then the extra body fat might not necessarily be required i will use the, the gel like that goop that they put all over their body before they go yep and swim just as that's an extra layer to help in the warm but i'll wait and see at the moment i, I seem to be going okay in the water without needing to put on the excess body fat but we will wait and see there are all sorts of funky rules, aren't there? Like you can't wear a wetsuit. It's just a cap and cozies pretty much, isn't it? Plus goop. Yes. So one cap. So you can't double cap so that you don't have oh, any you extra heat in your cup. head. So okay. one cap. Nope. So when we go out training, some, some swimmers get to put the double caps on, but I can't. So <laughs> one swimming cap, just your normal swimmers and goggles. And then lights that you wear on your goggles in the back of your swimmers, just because in the English channel you tend to start in the dark. So you can wear lights on your back. 
well, you have to wear lights on your back. Oh, wow. That'd be interesting. Is that sort of, is that uncomfortable? Yeah. Have you started training with that? So I haven't yet, but I will because we do a whole, whole block of training that's in the night. So that's going to be really interesting. I'll practically be nocturnal because I'll have to start training at midnight and then I'll go straight to work. And then I'll, <laughs> I guess, sleep when I get home from work. I don't know, work that out next year. You've... But yes, it's apparently crucial because the moon, the reflection of the moon on the water can be quite, um, just, I think it's, they said it's quite blinding and it's actually quite difficult to navigate. So it's just, you need to go out and practice. It's significantly different to swimming in the day. Oh, that's so interesting. And how did you find your, your pilot yeah. and, and boat and all that? So I, you have to become a member. Um, there's two organizations. So I'm part of the English Channel Association and they then have five pilots that's linked with their company. And then the other organization, they've got four so there's only nine registered pilots that can take you across the channel. And that's why it's so hard to book in with them because you're sort of emailing these people on the other side of the world who don't check their emails that often. Um, and yeah, so it's just a lot of back and forward with them and you just try and work out when they have availability and you just email around to all different ones. So they each tied, you get given a five day window and during that you're all allocated a slot so I'm slot three or swimmer three is what they also say. And um, yeah, you, but you don't, if the swimming association said to me, if you're coming from Australia, you don't want to be slot five because you might be swum out of your tide and not going to go. Yep. Um, and it just all depends on the weather, but yeah, it is hard to get your pilot, but once you get them, it's, it's great. So the, the first step is you need to sign up and become a member. It's, it's not expensive, but you can't become a member of one of the two organizations over there in the UK. That is so exciting. Like, <laughs> how, how are you? Mm. I mean, I know it's a lot, I know it's still a year out, but I mean, it, it, I, well, it's so exciting. It's, it's a year out. It's a year out, but I, I am getting excited because this year's Swimming Channel um, season has started. So I'm a member of a few groups on Facebook that watches the progress. And a guy actually, two days ago, his name's John from America, he swam 35Ks all butterfly. <laughs> the entire thing in butterfly. So only he and three others in the whole of lifetime have swam the channel in butterfly, which is just wow. incredible. I mean, his shoulders would have been burning <laughs> to be doing butterfly for 35Ks. I can't even do it for 200 meters. So <laughs> that was amazing. So you do get excited when you're, when you watch on Facebook because they keep, I'll have a tracker. So all of the swimmers have trackers so you can watch them going on their swim and I've got a few a friend who we've become friends over this English Channel journey she's actually waiting to do her she's any day now they're just waiting for the weather to clear up and yeah it's exciting when you see all these swimmers going out and following them and yeah so I'm getting excited but the time has, I mean even just this past year has gone so quickly so I know it'll be here before I know it but yes even though it's a year away I still I get still get really excited thinking about it you're not tempted to go back to your roots and swim at breaststroke? Well, it's funny. I got asked that on air the other day if I'd do it breaststroke. Um, as much as I would love to, my knees just would not hold off. They, I might do a little bit if, I, if my shoulders get sore or something. I might do it just to change it up a bit. But no, I, I want to get in and get it done as quickly as I possibly can. So I think I'll just be doing freestyle and maybe a bit of backstroke just to, again, rest my shoulders. Um, because you can't, when you stop to have your food, you can't touch anything. So I'll tread water or do backstroke or something while I'm eating. Um, but otherwise, mainly freestyle for me. 
what 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 do you eat when you when you're traveling for or when you're swimming for so long? So I'm still in the process of working that out because gels don't seem to sit well with me. I don't know. You might know after um, coming across other swimmers, good gels that are suited for long distance swimming. A lot of people I swim with eat baby food, which mm-hmm. is hilarious because I've got little kids. So it's just funny to think you take their little like sachets of baby food out with you. And um, so I've had those cliff bars tend, tend to work well with me. People have sandwiches. Um, but, yeah, so it's all just trial and error. So I'm going through that at the moment. That's why the Saturday sessions are so important because you can go out and practice those things. Um, but, yeah, gels don't work because you drink so much salt water while you're swimming. Your stomach's already upset, so you need to eat something or drink something that's not going to make it worse, um, which I'm still in the process of trying to find out. But at this stage, it's sort of, Actual food works better for me, like the cliff bars, sandwiches, that sort of stuff versus gels. Turkish Delight is what John, who I spoke to recently, said. You could try Turkish Delight. Turkish Delight? Yeah. Chocolate-coated Turkish Delight or just well, Turkish I think it, Delight? Well, I'm not sure. I think it was just Turkish Delight. But, um, you know, you might as well try them both, see what happens. Mm. I will give that a try. Yeah, high impact, lots of sugar. It might have been a Turkish Delight. Yeah. Yeah, and it tastes nice as well. And it would be easy to eat. Sandwich is dangerous. I mean, you wouldn't want to drop it. No, but you, so you cut the crust off and it's just like a bit of honey. Right. So it's like little triangles, as if it's like a little kid sandwich, little triangle, no crust, honey, and away you go. And away you go. And probably caffeine as well. Although I guess that might also upset your stomach as well. So I guess these things to find yeah. out. That's it. So I've got a, a year to go and that's why it's, so important to get out and practice every time you can and try all different things so next time you're interviewing swimmers and you hear them say any quirky or great suggestions on things to eat you'll have to keep us all posted i will i will make a log it's a good idea actually thank you very much for jamie rogers for taking the time to chat to us about her journey towards the English Channel in 2022. If you'd like any more information on anything you heard today in this pod, or if you're interested in sponsoring Jamie's swim by donating to Gotcha for Life, then get over to the website at www.thepodpodcast.net. That's www.thepodpodcast.net, and I've put some links up there. If you're in Australia, you are probably under lockdown right now. So I hope you're doing okay in lockdown redux. And wherever you are in the world, I hope you're doing okay in these COVID times. Thanks again to Jamie and thanks for listening. My name's Mark West. I'll catch you on the next episode of The Pod.